Welcome to the SMC 2021 podcast. What if God wanted to do something new in your life? This is your fresh start. What's up, y'all? We're so excited that you chose to spend some time listening to this breakout podcast. My name is Jacob Bookout, and I work for Stumo at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville. And my name is Leah. I work for Stumo at the University of Wyoming. And a lot of the breakouts y'all are going to probably have been led by people who are married, right? And you know, the guy will put up a picture of his wife on their wedding day and talk about how out of his league she is, but he won her over and now they have three kids and here's their picture. You know, the whole, the whole deal. And that's how they introduce themselves to you. Well, since Leah and I are both single and this is a podcast and we don't have any cute pics to show y'all. Uh, We thought we would go a little different route just to let you guys know who we are a little bit more. So we're both from Arkansas. Bookout is very Arkansas. He's a cowboy. He's got that Southern gentleman thing going on. It's quite a compliment. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Leah, she is kind of a West Coast city girl at heart, but somehow she ended up living in the cowboy country of Wyoming, of Mm -hmm. which I'm very jealous of. Yes, I don't really know how that happened. But if you guys are Enneagram fans, Bookout is a one. So he's a thinker. And Leah, she is a four. Uh, She's a feeler. She's real in touch with her emotions, and Mm. she's very aesthetic. Yes. And fours actually go to one in health. So I guess Bookout is kind of like the upgraded version of me. I don't know if I'd say that. (laughs) Today, we're going to spend some time discussing anxiety. But before we get into it, we just wanted to give y'all a little taste of kind of our own experiences with anxiety. Yeah. Can I be real with y'all? I'm so anxious right now. I'm anxious that you're going to think Bookout is funnier than me. And if you don't like our breakout, you're going to give us a low rating on the SMC eval. And I'll never be asked to speak at anything ever again. And that's just me being real with you. Are either of those things really that big of a deal? No, definitely not. I had my first panic attack five years ago. I was standing in my parents' kitchen and no one else was home. A lot of things in my life fell out of my control and I had reached a physical breaking point. I remember I started hyperventilating, my body gave out and I crumbled onto my kitchen floor and I was curled up there for probably 45 minutes until I could slow down my breathing and get myself upstairs to my room. Why do I share that with you? It's so that you know we're not talking to you as these extra spiritual Stumo staff people who have never been where you've been. All of our anxiety is different, but we are all seeking the same thing, peace. God has actually used my anxiety to shape who I am today, and he will do the same thing for you if you let him. Yeah, from high school through a lot of my time in college, my life was marked with anxiety that came from being an image manager. As a natural perfectionist, I had ideas of how circumstances in my life should play out. I would think through all the possible scenarios and how I should respond in order to get that perfect outcome. I manipulated conversations and relationships with people. I overworked on assignments for school for the sake of just one more percentage point. And I constantly felt the pressure of performing socially in order to escape rejection of any kind. And when I exhausted myself trying to control outcomes and perform for people, I would cope with alcohol, tobacco, and media just to numb the exhaustion and anxiety. Little did I know that coping in those ways was ultimately adding to my anxiety that I was experiencing, and the cycle would just begin over and over and over. I know that Leah and I have both felt like dealing with anxiety can be like a solo job. 
Uh, like we're the only ones who are trying to figure this thing out. Maybe y'all have felt that too. But it's really apparent that anxiety became a pandemic in our culture of sorts long before COVID ever really showed up. And statistics prove it, actually. Uh, sociologists agree that America is the most anxious society on the planet. The average young adult in America has the same levels of anxiety as a psychiatric patient did in the 1950s. 70% of young adults describe themselves as anxious and getting more so. And out of 14 million college students, two out of three reported overwhelming anxiety in the past year. One out of four have been professionally diagnosed and or treated for anxiety. And almost nine out of 10 felt overwhelmed by the responsibilities of college life. And more young adults are dying every day from suicide than from COVID. And just to finish it off, two out of three college students have felt very lonely consistently, and almost half have experienced depression so severe that they could not get out of bed. Now, it's no surprise that anxiety is such an issue with our age group. There are so many forms of anxiety that we navigate. Anxiety about the future, about relationships, anxiety from overconsumption of media and information, general anxiety, social anxiety, anxiety from overthinking, from fear, panic, from loss of control. And hey, we also just want to take a second to completely acknowledge that sometimes anxiety is caused by medical, medical conditions that are out of our personal control. As some of you listening right now might have long-lasting clinical anxiety that is very severe. As some may have experienced or even are experiencing right now severe trauma in your life. And we are in no way trying to diminish that. And we are so sorry that you have had to experience that in your life if you fall into that category. Regardless of why you're anxious or how severe, we all need help in this area. And what's crazy is that's just the mental side. We also have to deal with the physical effects of anxiety, the headaches that you get, the shortness of breath, the racing heart and the tight chest, or maybe something as simple as sweaty palms. And guys, you're listening to me. I don't mean the sweaty palms that you get when you're sitting next to that girl who is way out of your league. Take a second and just think about how has stress and anxiety affected you? Anxiety is a problem that's not going away. And maybe till now, your best solution to dealing with your anxiety and the stress of life was to distract yourself with temporary solutions. Alcohol, weed, nicotine, relationships, The Bachelor, your fantasy football team, procrastination, binging on Netflix and Instagram, anything that would take your mind off what's really trying to get your attention. Does God offer a better way? Does the God of the universe even care about my anxiety? If God supposedly loves me and sent his son to die for me, why is he not taking away my anxiety? Today, we want to show you that anxiety is an opportunity. And you might hear that and think, how could my anxiety be an opportunity? How could these painful emotions and symptoms be an opportunity? We want to show you that even though you might feel hopeless in your anxiety right now, God wants to turn your anxiety into an opportunity to find true peace. Anxiety is an opportunity. 
We're going to look at two passages in the Bible discussing what God has to say about handling anxiety. And the first is Matthew 6, where Jesus explicitly teaches about anxiety. Yeah, so just to set the scene on this passage, Jesus, he's sitting on the edge of a hill. He's looking down towards a sea, and in front of him stands his 12 disciples, his 12 closest friends. And behind them, a very diverse crowd of hundreds of people are listening. The crowd spanned demographics and ethnicities, all there to listen to this man named Jesus. Now, the people listening had been hearing for a while now that Jesus had, or what Jesus had to say about what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. Basically, just what does it mean to follow Jesus? He taught them about anger, lust, and divorce. He taught them about radical generosity to the poor and radical love towards their enemies. And then Jesus turns to the topic of anxiety. You might be thinking, anxiety? Really? Jesus has something to say about that? I mean, isn't this year like 30? What are they anxious about? Well, Jesus does have something to say about it. And he's going to show us that anxiety is an opportunity. Jesus begins his discussion on anxiety with this statement found in Matthew 6. No one can serve two masters. He will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. He then, he attaches anxiety in this next statement. Therefore, I tell you, so because you cannot serve God and money, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? With these two statements, Jesus addresses one of the main sources of our worry and anxiety. That source is focusing your life on things instead of God. Let's just take a second and think about the things that are stressing us out. As a college student, these are some of the most common things we're anxious about right now. Relationships. If I'm not in a relationship, why am I not in a relationship? Am I not good enough for someone? What if my boyfriend or girlfriend leaves me or cheats on me? Is my marriage going to turn out like my parents? Social status. Do my friends actually like me? Do they talk about me when I'm not around? Can I be my real self around them? Or would they leave me if I'm not being what they want me to be? Having the right look. Am I attractive enough? What do people think about how I look? Doing well in school could be another one. I know grades are such a huge burden. Also, what your career is going to be. Are you going to get the right internship for that career? Maybe how much money do you have right now and how much money you're going to be able to make in the future? For all you Greek life people, I know Leah and I felt this. Fraternity and sorority responsibilities, the dues, the social life, the drama that comes with all of it. Another big one for our generation is just social media presence. Keeping up that Instagram page keeping up the the streak on Snapchat, filming TikToks that are actually going to get views and popular. Oftentimes, we might acknowledge that we want to be focusing on God, but then we end up trying to juggle all of these other things, and our focus on God gets lost in the process. The reason that this leads to anxiety is an issue of identity. If doing well in school or getting that dream job or having the perfect dating relationship becomes the focus of your life, you attach who you are to the success of those things. If you don't get the job, you are lesser. If your boyfriend cheats on you, 
then you are lesser. If people don't like the image you post on Instagram, you're lesser. The problem with this type of thinking, even though it's so common and easy to get into, is none of it's true. Allowing material success to be the definition of who you are will always lead to stress and anxiety because the definition of material success is always changing. We need the definition of who we are to be rooted in the one thing that never changes, our relationship to God. Anxiety is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to focus on God. The second common source of our anxiety that Jesus addresses in this story is this, relying on yourself instead of God. Jesus gives us a couple of simple analogies to help us understand. In verse 26 of Matthew 6, he says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow seed or reap or store grain away into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Jesus saying, Hey, look at these birds flying up above us. They don't make elaborate future plans in order to provide for themselves and their family. They rely daily on God through nature to bring them what they need for that day. He keeps going. And why do you worry about clothes? Look at the flowers of the field. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that King Solomon and all his splendor was not dressed like one of these. You see, flowers don't spend hundreds of dollars in emotional energy to make sure that they look as best as possible. God simply makes them look even more impressive than the wealthiest king to have ever lived. If God provides for birds and flowers, which are kind of silly things, he will most definitely provide for you, the people he made to be reflections of himself in the world. If we spend our mental energy worrying about not having what we need or spend our energy building our life up on material wealth and social status— then we're really acting and living like people who do not have a God that they can trust. Which is silly because we have a God who created everything that we get to trust in. The question is, will we actively trust him? Anxiety is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to rely on God. There are three reasons we don't rely on God in our anxiety. For some of you, you don't have a relationship with God, so how could you rely on a God you don't believe in? For some of you, you believe in God, but you have hurts from your past that have led you to believe that God isn't trustworthy, so you're trying to control everything yourself. And some of us have a relationship with God and want to rely on Him in our anxiety, but it's so easy to forget that God is there to trust, so we resort back to a lifestyle of worry and anxiety. Jesus ends his discussion on anxiety with this command. Do not be anxious, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. The resolution to worry and anxiety that stems from focusing on things instead of God and from relying on ourselves instead of God is to make living according to how God has designed us as people to live the priority of our life. Jesus calls it seeking the kingdom of God. Anxiety is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to seek God's kingdom. And the beautiful thing about what Jesus has to say about stress and anxiety is that he didn't just stop there with a command. He went on to demonstrate how to live like this. He shows us how to handle stress and anxiety in a way that follows the path of seeking God's kingdom above all else in our life. 
And he did it as he was on his way to be executed on a cross for us. Take just a second to think about this. What are the things in your life that you often worry about or cause you anxiety? And why do these things cause you to worry? If you guys are anything like me, you can tell when someone isn't being authentic when they say something, but it isn't really who they are or what they're about. I personally trust and follow people who back up what they say by how they live their life. Guys, that is Jesus. That's the kind of person that he is. Everything that Jesus just taught his followers in Matthew 6 about anxiety, he is about to live out and under the most stressful, high-stakes circumstances we could possibly imagine. In Matthew 26, Jesus knows that he's about to go to the cross. He's about to be publicly mocked, beaten, and abandoned by some of his closest friends. This was the day that his whole life had been building to. This was the reason that he came. It all came down to this. Are you anxious? What's incredible is that Jesus is about to be our example for how to respond to our anxiety. He's already talked the talk. Now he's about to walk the walk. He's about to show us that how we respond to anxiety is an opportunity. The first thing that Jesus did was process his anxiety. Verse 36 through 38 says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. What are the emotions that Jesus is experiencing? He's troubled. He's sorrowful. Guys, Jesus is anxious. Jesus experienced emotional anxiety. Remember, when Jesus said, do not worry, he isn't talking about the emotion of anxiety. He's talking about our response to the emotion. And we can know that because Jesus acknowledges and names his emotions out loud right here. Jesus isn't stuffing his anxiety down. He's admitting what he's feeling. In verse 38, Jesus says that his soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus' emotions are so strong that they are physically overwhelming him. Jesus experienced physical anxiety. In Luke twenty two forty four, it says that Jesus was in so much anguish that he was sweating blood. Has that ever happened to you? What does this mean for us? It means that in our anxiety, we are not alone. We don't have a God that is unable to sympathize with us in our weakness. We don't have a God that is looking down on us in our anxiety. Our God is next to us in it. How incredible is that? Jesus became human to be our example for how to respond to our anxiety. We can trust what he says because he has felt the same things that we're feeling right now. So what did Jesus do with his anxiety? How did he respond? He processed it. Anxiety is an opportunity to process your emotions. Have you guys ever processed your anxiety? To process your anxiety means to figure out the root of where your anxiety is coming from. It means to keep asking yourself why, to try to inwardly diagnose the source of your anxiety. Leah and I have both learned and continue to learn how to process our anxiety. And we want to show y'all a helpful way that you can begin digging to the root of your anxieties and process them. 
Hopefully you'll find that this method works well for you and you can keep practicing even after you listen to this podcast. So I want to just walk through an example together and y'all can think through how can I apply this to my life. Whenever I'm processing anxiety, I always want to start by trying to name the emotion that I'm feeling and acknowledge it just like Jesus did. So that first question that I'm trying to ask and answer is, what emotion am I feeling? Well, I'm feeling anxious right now. Maybe it's just general anxiety. Maybe I'm panicked about something or I'm stressing out. Or maybe I'm a little fearful of something that's causing anxiety. The next thing that I do is ask this question. What do I think made me feel this way? When did it start? Did something or someone spark it? A couple examples. I know everybody can relate to this. Maybe it's that my paper is due. And for whatever reason, you're anxious about that or just grades in general. Maybe it's something more serious like... My parents just recently got divorced, and I'm very anxious about that. Well, once you figure out the thing that's making you feel anxious, you ask this next question. What am I afraid of? Most of the time, anxiety is rooted in some type of fear. If it's the paper, maybe you're just afraid of a bad grade. If it's a parent's divorce, maybe you're afraid that your life is drastically changing and you don't have any control over it. The next question that you ask is why? Why does that scare me? If it's a bad grade, maybe it scares you because you'll get a lower GPA and then you won't get the right job or you'll lose your scholarship. If it's your parents' divorce, maybe what scares you is that if you lose this normalcy and control in your life, then you can't really trust that if you give the control to God that he's actually going to take care of you. The next step is to just keep asking why. This is where you do some digging. If you don't get the right job, then maybe you'll disappoint your parents. And if your parents are disappointed, then you might feel like you're no longer valuable. If it's a parent's divorce, maybe you can't trust God with the control. And then how are you supposed to trust God with any part of your life? The next step, once you reach the root after digging down with that question why, is to identify the lie that you're believing. With grades, maybe the lie is that your value comes from what people think of you, whether it's your parents or not, not what God thinks of me, which is the truth. If it's a parent's divorce, maybe the lie is that God cannot be trusted to take care of me, or he can't be trusted because he even let this happen. The next part is where life really begins to change. You got to find the truth and begin to apply it. Find the truth in God's word about that lie that you're believing and counterattack it. With grades, my value is in what God thinks of me and what Jesus did for me. With the parents' divorce, God is both perfectly good and loving and in control of all things. And he makes all things that happen work out for the good for those who love and trust him. So I can believe that. And then finally, just begin praying through that truth. Use the verses that you find in scripture to combat the lies every time this anxiety comes up. We know that scripture transforms our minds and creates new pathways in our brains as we meditate on it over time. I personally process by uh, journaling my anxiety. Maybe you guys like writing out as well or just saying it out loud or typing it out. Whatever works for you, process and pray through that anxiety. Take a few minutes and try to walk yourself through that process. So start with some current anxiety that you're feeling and start to ask yourself why and try to get down to the root and then what you think the truth is. So take a few minutes to do that. 
When we see anxiety as an opportunity to process our emotions all the way through, we ultimately figure out the lie we're believing about God, ourselves, or our circumstances. The second thing Jesus did was pray to the Father. Verse 36 says, Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus calls God Father. He's calling out to his Father for help. And Jesus asks his Father for what he desires, for him to not have to go to the cross and bear the sin of the whole world. Does that surprise you? Why did Jesus feel like he could ask that? Because he knew his father cared about him. When we feel anxious, we can ask our father to take it away. Then Jesus says, not as I will, but as you will. How is Jesus able to say that? How in the face of something so terrifying and painful is Jesus able to say, not my will, father, but yours? It's because Jesus knew who his father was. He had spent his whole life walking with him. And when we spend time with someone, we learn who they are. Jesus knew that his father loved him, that his plan was best, and that he would help him to be obedient through his anxiety. Jesus trusted his father's will because he knows his father's character. Jesus changes us through the process of bringing our anxiety to him. Spiritual growth and maturity happens through the process of coming to the Father. What does this mean for us? Our anxiety leads us to the Father. Our anxiety is an opportunity to grow closer to the Father. So if we pray and process through our anxiety, will the Father remove it? Maybe. I hope so. I have personally experienced peace in so many situations through processing and praying through my anxiety. But honestly, sometimes I do all of that and I still feel anxious. Sometimes God has allowed me to still feel anxiety so that I can't depend on myself, but learn to depend on him. Praying to the Father will result in peace, whether it's him removing those emotions or deepening our dependence on him. The third thing that Jesus did was pursue a kingdom lifestyle. Verses 45 and 46 say this, Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's go, here comes my betrayer. Jesus comes back after processing and praying and says, Let's go. He has decided to pursue the kingdom and go to the cross, no matter how hard it is. We don't know what the state of Jesus' anxiety was at this moment. Did the Father take all of it away? Did Jesus still feel troubled and sorrowful? We don't know. But what we do know is this. Jesus did not make his decision of whether or not to be obedient based on his anxiety. He made his decision based on his relationship with the Father. Imagine if Jesus had made his decision based on what would ease his physical and emotional anxiety immediately. Imagine if he had made the decision that felt easier in the moment. He never would have died for our sins. And then where would we be? What does this mean for us? Living a life of obedience leads to peace. Anxiety is an opportunity to choose to live a kingdom lifestyle. A life of pursuing God's kingdom and living our life according to his word is the best medication for our anxiety. So what does that look for, look like for us right now as 21st century young adults? Well, 
It starts by making the decision to follow Jesus. It is not possible to experience the type of peace that Jesus promises without loving him and following him. You cannot have the kingdom without the king. It might look like devote a portion of your day to being in silence and solitude with God. Some of you may do this or have heard the phrase having a quiet time. It just means getting alone, reading the Bible, and praying to the Father. Spend some time getting to know God more so that you can trust him with your anxiety. Another way is living in obedience to Jesus and how he says life ought to be lived is central to experiencing this peace. Choosing to give up the things in your life that are known to cause anxiety is another way. Excessive drinking, numbing with drugs or other substances, unhealthy relationships, both friendships and romantic. Another way for us, especially in this day and age, is limit the media and information that you're consuming. Take a long detox from social media. Filter the news that you're allowing yourself to read and dwell on. We as people are not built to handle this amount of information, especially whenever it's so negative. Another easy way is to begin organizing your life. Chaos is a natural cause of anxiety. Planning your days and weeks will lift much of the natural chaos in your life. Another massive way is surround yourself with other people who are living kingdom lifestyles. Tell a close friend about your anxious thoughts. Anxiety grows in silence. Therefore, a quick antidote to the anxiety spiral is to tell a friend all the thoughts that you're having. When it comes to the people you surround yourself with, if they aren't pushing you closer to God, they will push you to stress and anxiety. Take just a second to think through this question. What are some specific steps you need to take in your life right now to begin a living, living a kingdom lifestyle? Guys, we hope that this has shown you that anxiety is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to focus on God, to rely on God, to process your emotions, to grow closer to the Father, and to live a kingdom lifestyle. Guys, our anxiety could become our greatest strength. Imagine if we took our current anxiety and let it lead us to all of those opportunities for spiritual growth. Anxiety doesn't have to hold us back. It can actually set us free to love and follow God closer than before. Finally, we want to leave y'all with an accurate expectation for your anxiety moving forward from this point. Um, processing, praying, and pursuing God is going to lead to greater peace in our lives. But we also need to understand that on this side of heaven, anxiety will not totally go away. Because we live in a sinful world and our natures are naturally sinful, we will still experience some anxiety. But that doesn't have to discourage us because we have a God that promises to help us and promises to use everything we go through for our good. The more we follow Jesus's example, the less anxiety will have a grip in our lives. Y'all, as we wrap up, Leah and I wanted to leave y'all with some other resources that you can check out about this topic of anxiety. One book that has been huge in eliminating my anxiety in my life and has probably changed the way I live other than the Bible more than any other book is called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. You can check that out on our SMC bookstore on the app. The other book we want to tell you all about is Calm My Anxious Heart. This was the first book I ever read about anxiety. I read it in college and the author gives her prescription for contentment. And one of the things she says is to never picture yourself in any other circumstances other than your own. And that spoke a lot to me in college. I highly recommend it. 
Leah and I, we both love listening to podcasts, and I'm sure a lot of you guys do as well. And so I want to give you all just a few different uh, podcasts that you can go to and look up sources on anxiety. One is Becoming Something with Jonathan Pakluda. I know so many of us are fans of JP. He has great things to say on anxiety. Another one is The Porch, which our very own David Marvin helps run. They also have some great stuff on anxiety. A couple others is Out of Curiosity, Passion City Church DC, Radical with David Platt, The Village Church, and John Mark Comer's own church's patio podcast, which is Bridgetown Audio Podcast. Hopefully those resources will be great for helping y'all continue to find freedom from anxiety. That's all we have for you guys. Remember, anxiety is an opportunity to live like Jesus and to ultimately experience peace and an abundant life that Jesus promises. Mm-hmm.